Hello everyone, welcome to CSM Secrets. In today's edition of CSM Secrets, we have William Stevenson, founder and chief operating officer of OneBoard.io, a software solution that addresses that one function which holds all the magic in customer success. He's also a founding board member of Do Good Mission, something very special. Let's hear more from him. Hey Will, thank you for joining the CSM Secrets podcast. Very happy and honored to have you today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Hey, onboard.io, right? The the very name of your venture has to get excitement ringing in among customer success groups, right? I mean, because any CSM, any CS leader that I speak to always brings onboarding as their number one priority. And you've built an entire venture around it. Can you tell us about what is onboard.io? How did it come into existence? And the entire journey in your own words, the founder. Yeah, for sure. So Onboard is a software for modern customer success teams to manage and automate their customer onboarding and implementation process. Um, Really, the way that it came into existence is I've spent the last decade or so leading customer success and onboarding at early stage B2B SaaS companies. And through that journey, I always found myself looking for a better onboarding solution. I'd look around and I'd see sales teams using Salesforce and SalesLoft and marketing teams using marketing automation, product teams using product board. And then I'd look back at my onboarding team uh, and they would be using generic project management tools and Excel files. So uh, after my co-founder Jeff and I exited the last company that he founded, I went on to consult for about a half a dozen companies and I found all of them had one thing in common. Their onboarding process was terrible. Um, so that's when Jeff and I got back together and, and we built Onboard. All right. Awesome. And would you also tell us, uh, I mean, talk us through the features um, that it provides? Like, you know, who is the customer avatar it is meant for and what features does it provide and, you know, who can benefit the most from it? Yeah, for sure. So we find that any company that has an onboarding process that uh, contains some phases of configuration or uh, integration or testing and going live um, could use onboard. So really, uh, our customers range from SaaS companies to uh, professional services or agencies. Um, and the whole idea behind onboard, there's there's a few pieces here that that make us different than uh, anything else that's on the market. One is rather than being template based, uh, where you create task templates for uh, the onboarding process and you just duplicate that template every time a new customer comes in, and then you modify that template to fit the use case of that customer. Rather than doing that, we're a variable-based system. So really, you just create variables, you create one global task list, and you tie each of those tasks to a variable. Um, So it takes out the entire uh, rigid, inefficient process of, um, of updating those templates to fit customer use cases. Uh, so one is we we help automate um, and make that uh, dynamic launch plan really, really quick and seamless. And the second is we provide visibility for everyone involved, from our customer to their customer, right? Um, everyone can be invited into uh, a launch plan or what we call a map. 
and uh, everyone has visibility into where things are getting held up or where things are ahead of pace and uh, exactly what they need to do uh, to to be considered live. Wow. <clears throat> All right. So one question about onboarding itself, right? I've heard so many CS leaders in our podcast say that 90% of the long-term success of an engagement with an account rested on one experience, successful onboarding, right? Why is it so critical? What are your views on this? Do you agree with what they say? Is there a psychological element at play here or why do CS leaders say that? Your views? Yeah, I mean, look, I I 100% agree with it. Um, I think the uh, challenge that we're all trying to overcome is uh, trust is is made or broken in that onboarding phase. So customers get so excited about your product or your service that they're willing to sign up and commit um, and spend real dollars with your company. And then you get to this onboarding phase and it's kind of like the time to show who you really are, right? Um, and ideally, you really are exactly who uh, the customer thought you were, or even better than they thought you were. Uh, but all too often, it's it's not the case. And somebody gets really excited about a product, they sign up, they commit, and then they get to the onboarding phase and realize that it's much longer, much harder um, than they ever anticipated, and the results won't be as great as as they thought they were. Um, so I absolutely believe that. I think it's super critical uh, to set the correct expectations and then um, get the customer into that onboarding process and, and give them a great experience um, and, and really continue building on that trust that they have with you. Yeah, yeah, that is true. And and what are your thoughts about um, non-SaaS business, right? Because see, uh, in the limited um, knowledge that I have, um, you know, the whole customer success function came into being for SaaS-based, subscription-based software business or subscription-based model, right? But what is your view on non-SaaS industries, like, for example, the age-old enterprise software or telecommunication software, et cetera, or manufacturing? What are your views on, uh, you know, they adopting some of the best practices from CS? Do you think they could benefit from onboarding as well? Like, you know, providing a seamless onboarding? Yeah, I I absolutely agree with that. I, I don't think it matters if you sell a product or your service or you're a software or hardware. It doesn't matter um, what you do. Um, it, from my perspective, if you have a process where the customer is involved with either configuring your product, integrating your product, testing out the configuration or the, the integrations, or they even need to be trained. Um, an onboarding process is always helpful. Uh, we have service-based businesses using Onboard today. Uh, and to be quite honest, they're just as successful as, as SaaS-based companies that are using Onboard. So I, I absolutely agree. I think it's absolutely essential. Nice, nice. So I, I do see a future, future where you know, the non-size companies are, are absolutely going to adopt customer success very soon and, and tools like yours are playing a major role, right? So who are your customers currently and what is their feedback about your product like onboard.io? And what are some real-world proof points you're able to bring so that, you know, the rest of the world will follow and adopt a tool specifically focused on onboarding? 
Yeah. So our, as I mentioned, our customers range, right? They're SaaS companies or their agencies, hardware, software. It ranges across the full landscape. Um, I think we're super, super fortunate uh, to be in the position that we are because the feedback that we've received has been overwhelmingly positive. Um, a big part of, of Onboard is providing that visibility to everyone that's involved in the onboarding process. And one of our most crucial findings uh, that we're diving even deeper on, and you can expect a case study uh, in the coming months around this, is uh, when you're communicating with customers one-to-one via email. Uh, So think about the onboarding process pre-onboard.io. And you're communicating one-on-one via email. It's really easy for that customer uh, to ignore that email. I hate to say that, but it's really easy for them <laughs> to ignore the email or yeah. to star it and say they'll come back to it later. Um, and then they they forget and, and they don't come back. But when you, when you use Onboard and you give the customer full visibility into the onboarding process and you have every stakeholder in Onboard and assigned the tasks, uh, there's a little bit of psychology behind it because when they see their face next to their name, next to a due date of a task. And they know that everyone else in the onboarding process can see that. Uh, They're far less likely to ignore that um, or say they're going to come back to it later. So we're finding that uh, not only are customers moving faster, but they tend to get tasks completed ahead of schedule uh, when they have that visibility. Nice. That's really nice. So zooming out and talking about the CS industry itself as a whole, do you see any uh, trends that are that are about to catch like fire? Any major predictions for the CS industry for the next two to five years? Maybe five years is too far. At least for the short term, do you see any trends that we should watch out for? Yeah, I think the most obvious trend that we're seeing is companies that are investing in CS and integrating CS into every other function are the companies that are having the most success. So from sales to product and engineering, CS is closer to the customer and the goals that the customer wants to achieve um, closer than any other department, right? So... Sales can help more clients by understanding um, clients or prospects by understanding real world customer use cases much, much better. Um, And product and engineering can build a better product uh, with that knowledge as well. So bridging that gap between departments is, is crucial for customers to be successful. And I think it's crucial to operate a company in today's world to bridge those gaps internally. I also, and I, I, I know I brought this up uh, a few minutes ago around visibility, but additionally, I think we'll see more visibility become expected from the customer side. Historically, once a customer hits the CS team, the CS team shows that customer 10% of the whole picture, right? They send an email and say, here are the first three things you need to do. Uh, meanwhile, that CS person is going behind the scenes and they're uh, creating the other 90%, right? They're figuring out how to provision the account or how to set up workflows in their account or whatever it might be. But as the lines between B2B and B2C become more blurred, B2B expectations are going to be much more aligned with the B2B 
C process that we're all familiar with. For example, purchasing a Netflix subscription doesn't require a salesperson. And we're seeing that more and more on the B2B side um, and companies going that route where you can sign up right online. Um, And then product-led growth takes over from there. We learn what that customer values the most um, and where they can see the most benefit and uh, a product-led growth strategy can help there. On the CS side, I think giving the customer the full understanding of how to become successful with our products rather than slowly dripping that information out across calls um, is also going to become the norm. And I think that aligns pretty close with the B2C side as well. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? A funny thing is that I've heard um, many people say that the entire customer success was born out of an emergency response for COVID, right? Yeah. Because we were not able to meet and we were not able to do all the things that sales used to do earlier. And so we had to put up a function called customer success to be able to nurture the customer more closely than we did before COVID. So whether that's rational or not, I think COVID did good. (laughs) You know, it brought us a very important function uh, that we needed today, right? Yeah, I I agree. I I think COVID only expedited or was the catalyst behind customer success really leveling up. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're working remotely, you 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 kind of have to level up and figure out how to um, communicate across your team and your customers much much more efficiently. Yeah, but you think customer success function is here to stay? It, it is not a fire that will that will soon dwindle down, but it will be there to stay for decades. I presume. Do you agree with that? Oh, oh absolutely. I don't. I don't. Not only do I not think that. It's going away. I think it's only a growing, growing industry. I think it's going to be um, one of the, if not the most crucial department within organizations. Mm, yeah, and then that too, they will get a seat at the C-suite for sure. I'm, I think, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yep. All right. One not so related question, but you know, something in your LinkedIn um, profile really intrigued me. What is good mission? It sounded so amazing. I want to understand more and how anybody can join. Yeah, thank, yeah thanks so much for asking. So uh, Do Good Mission is a nonprofit my wife and I started uh, after we adopted our three daughters. So we've always had a passion for helping others. And we thought it would be uh, an, an awesome way to show our daughters that there's more good than evil in the world. So. Yeah. Every year we spotlight, Do Good Mission spotlights four families um, that have had some sort of life-changing event happen. And we raise money, we raise goods, services, um, give that to the family, and then give them a platform to share their story. So others that are going through something similar or the same um, know that they're not alone. So uh, we also work within the community to provide workshops for kids. And around the holidays, we provide meals and, and presents for, for children as well. Um, but yeah, anybody can learn more about Do Good Mission at dogoodmission.com. Wow. It's really nice that leaders such as yourself are focusing on the twin aspects, right? One is being able to build products that help uh, the industries and also to do such uh, you know, activities that that impact our society at large. So kudos to you and your wife. And I wish you all the best in this venture as well. And uh, 
with that i think we are end of we are at the end of our serious conversation shall we do the rapid fire round yeah that sounds great yeah it is to find out about you will as a person and you know we just want to poke you a little bit <laughs> are you ready <laughs> yeah i'm ready let's go okay all right so you're off to the moon and you're likely never coming back and you're going to work from there and wifi and family and food guaranteed what are the three functions at work that you would take along who you think absolutely need to you need to meet on a regular basis and work together so to me the key to that question is likely not coming back so <laughs> if that's the case i would say i'd bring product engineering and operations and i'd hope that they could build us a rocket ship to get us back to earth <laughs> <laughs> yeah sure yeah so a bunch of college grads with absolutely no experience running a csr or being part of a csr with just technical um, degree or whatever you might call it right come to you and seek a job in your organization what should they have to earn a ticket to be a part of your team yeah so i love this question and i get this this type of question a lot um to me it's all soft skills it's it's not hard skills hard skills can be learned over time so to me the three that i look for are self awareness situational awareness and determination yeah so self awareness because people that are self aware tend to be better teammates situational awareness because if you can read a situation you can most likely come up with a better solution faster for the customer and then determination yeah. because i believe in a cs role it's it's a tough role it's not meant for everyone you have to be determined to solve difficult problems work with customers that might not be happy and also help customers achieve their goals so i would say those are the three uh big skills that i look for yeah I loved your answer about awareness right I mean I have I have come to learn that awareness is everything and then thank you for reiterating that and then now so if there is one favorite cartoon character that you think represents a good CSM right or or if you can't think of for a CSM or a for a founder character which one would you choose so I'm going to go non traditional on this or not obvious maybe and I'm going to go with Winnie the Pooh and here's wow. why <laughs> here's why <laughs> while winnie the pooh might not be the smartest person in the room he's always friendly always thoughtful always insightful and always helping his friends so to me it, it it's kind of the perfect mold because to be the ceo of a company and and you're the smartest person in the room your company's probably not going to be successful so the ceo should really never be the smartest person in the room they should be hiring the smartest people in the room um and they should just be really really great at providing insights and being thoughtful and always looking after their teammates and and their customers you changed my perception about winnie the pooh forever i'm clapping <laughs> really and it really resonates so if you were a popular personality that either lived in the past or is living today like you know an extension of yourself uh, which celebrity would that be this is a tough one so it would have to be someone funny 
I just see so much value in bringing like lighthearted fun to every situation. It improves people's moods. It keeps them productive. Um, so it'd have to be someone funny, but it would also have to be someone that stood for something um, and never gave up. So if I had to pick one person, I think I'd probably go with my childhood hero, uh, which was Muhammad Ali. Um, mm-hmm. I just have such a respect for for what he accomplished and what he stood for. All the while, he made a lot of people smile. Wow. Okay. What is that one unique skill that you think you've cultivated over time that you bring to the table that you think is impeccable for anyone's success and anybody can cultivate? So I think everyone has something that makes them tick, right? It, it get, wakes them up in the morning and keeps them up at night. And um, it really gets them excited to, to do things. Um, and everyone has something that they're passionate about. So if you can convert your passion into a skill, then you're one step ahead. And I think my passion and my skill set that overlap is solving difficult problems. Mm-hmm. I thrive on the idea of solving problems that others find challenging or that no solution has been found yet. I think that's like the one, the one skill that uh, I don't think anybody can take away from me is the fact that I'll never stop trying to solve difficult problems. Wow. According to you, where did you go totally wrong in your career so far? Like any misses that you would tell the next generation to not to do? Yeah, I, <laughs> I wish I had a good answer for this where I could point to a singular decision that I made and say that's, that's the one. Uh, but the reality is I've had a really fortunate career. I've worked full-time at three different companies before onboard. Um, and they all had successful exits. And I consulted with dozens of, of companies over the years, and all of them have their own success story. So I, I think it's probably easier for me to answer the inverse. Like, where did I go right in my career? And it's not, <laughs> and it's not so like crazy intelligent, like it's not some super smart answer that I have here. It's I think I went right when I chose companies that just made sense. So when I hear companies pitch their product, if I can't understand what they do, and I mean really understand what they do, in the first 60 seconds, I choose not to work with that company. So that's come back to bite me a few times, right? Like 10 years ago, I had a friend that told me to invest in Bitcoin when it was like $15 a coin. And I said, I have no idea what Bitcoin is and I don't want to learn. It's I've listened to you talk about it for an hour now and I still don't know what it is. Um, And now I look at it and I think, man, I wish I would have invested in that. (laughs) um, So maybe, maybe that's the answer, right? Where'd I get totally wrong in my career? Maybe it's that if I don't understand something, um, from a company perspective, if I don't understand what a company does, I don't invest the time uh, to to learn about that. So um, I really look for companies to work with that you hear them pitch their idea and you say, wow, how has that never been done before? Um, yeah. And if it has that statement, if it has that reaction, the wow, has why has this never been done? That's when mm-hmm. I know that, that they're on to something great. You know, Warren Buffett never invests in a stock that he doesn't understand, the company that he does not understand the business in. So I think you're you're doing the right thing. Hey, there we go. Me and me and Warren, we haven't figured out, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I, I don't know if I can be in the same league as Warren, but um I but definitely think this, that that's sound advice. Yes. 
Yes, he has always stood by that philosophy when investing. So I think it makes a lot of sense. Okay, moving on, right? How do you handle tough situations with customers? I'm sure there is at least one episode a month where the customer is really angry and all that, right? You are one go-to strategy that has never failed in, in you know keeping a customer happy and diffuse the tension. Yeah, so I I think it has to do with the the personality traits that I was talking about earlier. Like to sum it up in one sentence, I think it's clear, specific action plans. And while that's like that's that's kind of an obvious answer. We want to communicate clearly. We want to be specific in in the action plan that we're telling the customer to do. I also think the soft skills really are what makes that that a good strategy. Um, when you can go in and you have an angry customer and you can communicate clearly and specifically, and at the end of the call, they're laughing and they are having a good time, that's when you know you've won. So I think, you know, I, I said earlier that like the lighthearted fun is, is really valuable. I also think that that's absolutely true with customer interactions as well. Right. Okay. And what do you, the personal brand, um, will stand for in value? Let's say you're not in a room and people are talking about you. What do you think they are saying about you right now? So this is my lighthearted fun. I hope they say that I'm as good looking as Brad Pitt and I'm as funny as Kevin Hart. <laughs> but I think the reality is I think people will say I work extremely hard. I'm really, really focused. Um, and I truly care about the people that are around me. Right. Hey, just a question. I'm going to deviate a little bit, right? You've spoken about awareness. You've spoken about focus. What do you do to keep that focus going? Like, you know, do you meditate or, uh, you know, any anything that you can suggest? So I I have a lot of different tactics that I use to, to remain focused. Um, but a large part of it is not to not to stare at the word focus and 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 try and figure out how to focus it's how to remove the things that make you not focused right yeah so my computer is set to do not disturb 24 hours a day seven days a week so i won't get slack messages on the minute every single minute but every 15 minutes, half hour, hour, as I'm doing things, I check Slack to make sure I don't have any unread messages. Same with email. Um, I have a one tab rule and I've kind of talked about this on, on a couple other podcasts, uh, but I have a one tab rule where when I'm really focused in on something, I only allow myself to have one tab open and that's what I'm working on. Um, and look, there are exceptions to that rule where I have to have two tabs open for, for certain things. But the idea is remove all the noise out of your day um, for a period of time and really focus in on the task at hand. Um, so I do that every day. I don't I don't look at how do I focus better. I look at how do I remove distractions more. Remove distractions. That's a good input. Thank you for that. And finally, like, you know, whatever you want to tell or leave our audience with any social media handles, anything that you want to promote or talk about, feel free. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, check out Onboard, onboard.io. Um, we have a ton, a ton of content um, that's really valuable on our blog as well. Um, so we have the definitive guide to customer onboarding. 
We have a uh, toolkit for for customer onboarding as well. And within those assets, you can find like real tangible uh, assets that you can use. So visual onboarding process, call scripts, handoff email templates, um, onboarding templates. You can find all of that um, within our blog itself. Uh, but make sure to make sure to check out onboard.io. Follow us on social. Um, all our handles are at the bottom of our website. And uh, if you ever want to chat onboarding, we are absolutely happy to do that. So feel free to request a, a demo or uh, just reach out on the chat and uh, we'll make some time to talk. Awesome. Thank you, Will. Thanks so much for taking the time today. Middle of a work week, I understand you'll have a crazy schedule, but thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And that's a wrap. Until we see you next time with yet another customer success leader, stay tuned and take care. Thanks for listening.